Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Week 6 recap coming your way. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, leave a review. Twitter, Instagram, Big Ten Football Talk. Send me an email at BigTenFootballTalk at gmail.com. Also, I, I posted about it, but I want to just make it clear on the the pod here. We just want to say a big thank you to John Shimp aka JD on the beat they have uh he produced the new intro and outro music for us here at the pod thanks brother appreciate you appreciate all that you do and uh yeah thanks f- uh i hope you guys enjoy it it's it's got a little bit more flair to it than i think the the old music so yeah really really thankful to John Shimp who lended his talents to this kind of this this fun hobby and project of mine we're going to get right to it, give you some of my takeaways from the Big Ten slate. Obviously, Penn State and Minnesota were on a bye this week, so my my take on them is good. They got a rest. That's great. They actually – it was uh, well-timed bye weeks, I think, for both teams. I think Minnesota gets Illinois next week, which which is now might be one of the key games of the West. And Penn State – Obviously gets the big game uh, against Michigan next week. So really well-timed buys. So good for them. I, Yeah, I think that Penn State-Michigan game is going to be really, really fun next week. I'm going to start with the Friday game, Nebraska at Rutgers. Nebraska won 14-13. Nebraska rallied to beat the, the Scarlet Knights. And I think I'll start with Rutgers – I think Rutgers let one get away from them. You know, they were up 13-0. They were in total control, and they they let this game slip away, which I, I will say this, though. The fact that Rutgers is now in the position of letting games slip away rather than just getting blown out by everybody, you know, that is a good step for this program. And I, I think that's – Shiano is going to get this team to compete at least with – the, the teams not named Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And honestly, I think that's all you can ask unless you start reeling in some of these – some bigger recruiting classes. So I think for Rutgers to be at this place, to be disappointed in not winning against Nebraska, I think that's actually – that means the expectations have risen for Rutgers. And I think that's good. That's really good. Like I think that's that's something to be commended because – like, if Kyle Flood were still the coach, we'd be like, oh, yeah. Or, uh, oh, gosh, Chris, a- Chris Ash, he was the coach. We'd be like, oh, yeah. Like, Rutgers should have lost 42 to 13 or something. Like, and that's not what's happening. Like, they, they kept it close. I know Nebraska's not very good. But the fact that they kept it close and people are disappointed and being like they should have beat Nebraska – I think that's saying something about Rutgers. That's really good. That's really good. Raising raising the bar, and that's all you can ask for, I think, right now. 
Um, and that leads me into the discussion about Nebraska. There are people on Twitter mad at Nebraska fans for celebrating this win. They're like, I can't believe Nebraska is celebrating Rutgers. It's Rutgers. Nebraska should, this is beneath Nebraska. How could Nebraska fans, I, they're going to tell us how they're back and all this. Calm down. Okay? Just calm down. Nobody is convinced that Nebraska is back and is going to win the West. All right? Nobody's saying that. Although, if they are saying that, they may not actually be wrong because the West is a hot mess right now. But I just, let me just be clear. Nebraska struggled in winning back-to-back Big Ten games. They hadn't done it since 2018. They lost every single close game under Scott Frost. They just won their second straight Big Ten matchup, and they won by a point. That's called progress, guys. I love what Mickey Joseph is doing, and I hope Nebraska fans celebrate like crazy because Mickey Joseph has come in. I don't know if he, I don't know or think he should be the head coach. I think they probably need to get someone who is more established. But listen, if there's anything that he's done, he has instilled toughness, he's instilled accountability, he's instilled leadership. All three of those things were lacking the past four years with Nebraska. You can win with those things, and you can win games that you're not supposed to with those things. So I'm just saying, for people who are mad at Nebraska for celebrating, like, you need to stop. I I said it last week. Once you win one game, it can feel like a a three-point shooter. You see one go in, you might see the next one go in, and then the next one, and the next one. Don't be surprised if you see a couple upsets coming with Nebraska. Because the, the West, the other teams in the West, I think are a little better. They're not that much better. Like, if you, if you said to me that Nebraska had no shot against Iowa, I'd say, have you seen Iowa? Like, they can't score. <laughs> Which we'll get to Iowa in a bit. You think Nebraska couldn't beat Iowa? You think they couldn't they they couldn't beat uh Wisconsin? Wisconsin looked really good this past week, but um Nebraska's not completely dead in the water anymore. Now, I still think Nebraska might go 3 and 9. So, I'm not saying they're they're all the way back and all the, I'm not saying anything like that. All I'm saying is be careful if you're playing Nebraska. Because they've seen a couple wins. And sometimes winning, it, it, it becomes contagious. I, I think that's, if I'm honest, I think that's what you saw with Michigan State last year. Michigan State was not very good last year. But they had a strong culture. And they beat the teams they were supposed to win, they were supposed to beat. And they kept doing it. And then they believed. And they upset a pretty good Michigan team. Right? So, I'm just saying... If you're playing Nebraska, just watch out. And I think Nebraska fans, go celebrate. Please go celebrate. Let's, let's move on to Michigan, Indiana. Not, not much to say here. I think, I, I think the game, particularly the first half, was 
it was certainly influenced by Mike Hart, one of the assistant coaches, having a seizure seizure on the sideline. Uh, and I, my prayers out to him and his family um, for his recovery. For we hope for a very quick recovery. But Michigan, you know, a lot of people want to make a lot about Indiana struggling with Indiana. One, Indiana's scrappy. Like they 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 have. And their defense in particular is scrappy under Tom Allen. And I think Michigan, they were a bit unnerved by what happened on the sideline. Second half, I think, told you everything you need to know. Michigan outgained Indiana like 260 to 20 or something like that. Michigan was a lot better. I I will reaffirm my belief that I think Michigan is very good at a lot of things. I don't think they're elite at anything yet. J.J. McCarthy is good, and he's growing, but he's not, he's not elite yet. Like, and he, I don't know if he has elite traits, but he's really good. He's, he's certainly the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten right now. That's, that's not up for debate. Like, I don't know who else you put there, but right now he is the second-best. And part of that might be the supporting cast around him, but... They, they do a lot of things well. The receivers are really good. They're not elite. The running backs are really good. They're not elite, although I think Donovan Edwards might become elite. Their offensive line is really, really good. I don't think they're elite. You know, defensive line, I, I, I could go down the, the list. I think they have really good pieces. I don't, I don't know if there's any elite pieces there. And that's not a knock. Really good can win you the Big Ten, even this year. So... A good win, you know, dominant in the second half by Michigan. Uh, and Indiana, you know, scrappy. But again, they're just, they're not very good this year. And, you know, they're scrappy. They might get, they might claw out a win against a team like Michigan State or, or uh, another team. But I think Indiana, you, you've pretty much hit their ceiling at this point. Uh, Purdue and Maryland. I, I'll start with Maryland. I'm disappointed I thought Maryland would take the next step. And, you know, the, the, the loss to Michigan certainly is understandable. You're at, at the big house. Michigan's the number, you know, number four team in the country, has more talent. And they're just unable to finish. It's, it's disappointing. I think they could have won, but they made some bad mistakes and they lost. That's understandable. I think... This is a bigger backbreaker because Purdue does not have – they certainly don't have the athleticism as some of the other Maryland players do. Now, I think the line play is, is, is uh, a wash, but you have that receiving core. I think Tango Vailoa, his his traits are better than Aiden O'Connell's, and yet – this has been my my big critique under Mike Loxley. It's like these guys can't get out of their own way. And even though they, they almost came back, almost tied the game on the two-point conversion, which quite honestly I thought was a bad call by the refs. I, I understand you got to call a legal man downfield, but, uh, man, on that play, I just... Uh, I, I thought... I didn't think it was a great call, but... All that being said, the fact that Maryland can't finish is it's it's going to make I think a decent season. It's it's going to keep 
them from having a great season and only a decent season. I, I want to talk about Purdue a little bit more. They're, they might have the best argument for winning the West. And honestly, they might be the most dangerous team for any East team to play uh, in the Big Ten Championship. They've got good receivers. They've got a great tight end. I love Payne Durham. He was my preseason uh, all-Big Ten tight end. But you look at some of their other pieces. I think their secondary is really good. You know, their, their secondary with Corey Trice, Cam Allen, they're really good. I think Jack Sullivan has been a really, really good and productive starter for them at defensive end. And... They're a tough out, and they have persevered. And if you look at their four and two, I was hard on them early, but you know they lost by four to Penn State. They lost by three to Syracuse. That's that's not bad. Like Syracuse is five and zero. Oh. Syracuse is in the top twenty five. I think they're ranked like eighteenth. So I Purdue might you know I I said this about Minnesota and then. Purdue beat Minnesota, but, you know, Purdue's beat a couple of pretty good teams in Minnesota, granted, without Mo Ibrahim, and then now they've beaten Maryland. I like, I, I think Purdue might make some noise, and you look at the rest of their schedule, they get Nebraska at home, and then they go to Wisconsin. To Wisconsin will be, I think, a real gut check game for both those teams. And then they finish Iowa at Illinois, Northwestern at Indiana, Certainly not easy, but it's manageable. Like, none of those games, I'm just sitting there thinking, well, Purdue's definitely going to lose. Like, no, I, I don't think that about any of those games. So, I think the West is a, is a massive toss-up right now. But right now, I really like how Purdue's playing. Aiden O'Connell's playing well. Payne Durham has been great at tight end. Their defense has been sneaky good. And, you know, I th- they, they shut down one of the best receiving cores. I, maybe not shut down, but they limited one of the best receiving cores, I think, in in Maryland. So, good for the Boilermakers. Uh, Wisconsin-Northwestern, not much to say. Wisconsin got back on track against a bad team. You know, Graham Mertz played, you know, he was able to find uh, DK, his, his top receiver, 185 yards, three touchdowns. Good for them. I want to see it against a better team. They played Michigan State this week, who definitely has a little bit more talent. I want to see Mertz. You know, Mertz is going to play a bad secondary. I want to see Mertz do the same thing against another secondary like that. And I want to, I want to see more consistency out of the Badgers. Braylon Allen, you know, he was, you know, they got the running game back going. I want to see that against Michigan State. Michigan State's a little bit better against the run than they are the pass. But I want to see them... I really want to see them up their game there. Uh, Ohio State at Michigan State. Uh, this this game was... It was 49-20. to 20. It was so much worse than that. I mean, Ohio State spotted them seven points with a pick six. That was a just a miscommunication between Stroud and Emeka Igbuka. And honestly, if C.J. Stroud sees that Egbuka made the wrong read and adjusts, that would have been a touchdown the other way. Uh, there was nobody on Egbuka on the on the go route. So, 
you know, Michigan State got a gift there. Michigan State got a gift on their one touchdown drive with the starters, the defensive starters in, because they, I think they were penalized four times on the drive, and three of those, it was on a third down. So Michigan State, you know, was gifted 13 points and then scored seven against uh, backups. Ohio State, meanwhile, you know, C.J. Stroud, he threw the pick. He only threw four other incompletions. He was 21 to 26 for 361 yards and six touchdowns. Travion Henderson, 19 carries, 118 yards, one touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., three touchdown receptions, including one of the best catches you will see all season. That guy's a freak. He's going to play in the NFL for a long, long time. Get that man to Chicago because Justin Fields needs receivers. My gosh, does he need receivers. By the way, Ohio State did this without Jackson Smith and Jigba. They did it without Mayan Williams. So I, I've been saying it. This is the second straight week. I know it's Michigan State. I know their, their secondary is not good. I know their defense is really banged up on top of that. But seeing what Ohio State's doing to other teams, watch out. This Ohio State team would have beaten Alabama last night, and even with Bryce Young. Because I saw that secondary for Alabama getting torched by a freshman receiver. All the receivers on Ohio State would have just had a field day last night. Now, I know Alabama's going to get better because they always do. By the way, Bama's, Bama better watch out for Tennessee next week. That's going to be a tough game for them with Tennessee's playmakers and, and their offense. Uh, I think Bryce Young will go next week. But, oof, that's going to be tough. Ohio State's the number one team in the country right now. I don't care what the polls say. They're, they are far and away the most complete team, and they are the most explosive team. Like, it's, it's not, to me, it's not even a question. Like, it, I, and I get Georgia has the best win against Oregon, but Georgia over the past three weeks has looked pedestrian. Like, even against Auburn, they were just slow out of the gate. And obviously that can change. I'm saying right now. But right, so Georgia can certainly get their mojo back. Alabama can certainly get their mojo back. Michigan, I think, can beat Ohio State. I think Penn State could beat Ohio State. But right now, what I'm seeing, Ohio State's the best team. And I'm not sure it's particularly close. And before people say, well, they haven't played anybody, Listen, Notre Dame, don't look now. They're three and two. They beat three pretty good teams, including UNC and BYU. So I'm just saying, and just watch out. Watch out for Ohio State when they get JSN back. The, the game, well, I don't want to say the game of the year, the matchup of the year that I cannot wait for. And Penn State fans, you guys, I think, are going to love this too. I want to see Joey Porter Jr. go up against Marvin Harrison Jr. That matchup is going to be so good. I cannot wait to see them fight. Camp, uh, Joey Porter, 6'3", uh, I think 210-pound corner. He's, he's a first-round corner. Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best receiver in the country right now. He's 6'4", 215 pounds. Dude is just a freak athletically. That's going to be fun. Oh my goodness, that's going to be great. 
Um, speaking of fun, or maybe not fun, if you happen to stay up to watch the late game and decided, you know, Alabama-Texas A&M isn't fun to watch, what can I watch that's going to make me want to watch paint dry later on? Oh, that would be the Iowa-Illinois game. So, Can somebody fire Brian Ferentz? I, I'm, I really don't want to be an advocate for firing people. But I don't know what he's what he thinks he's doing. But it's not calling offense. It's painful. What was almost more painful was that Iowa almost won this game because Art Sitkowski, the backup quarterback for Illinois, almost fumbled to give Iowa a fumble return for a touchdown to seal the game. And I think I would have cried myself to sleep if that happened. Because Iowa had no business in, to win this game, and they almost won it. And I would have been so sad. Credit to Brett Bielema for gutting this game out with his backup quarterback, which if Sitkowski plays beyond today, it is trouble for Illinois because Tommy DeVito has been so good for them. I hope he's okay. But, man, it's Sitkowski. Oh, my gosh. At, some, at one point, he was 7 of 12 for 15 yards. I don't know how you average 1.25 yards a pass attempt. But my gosh, man. Oh, it is not, it was not good. It's not good. But, Illinois got the dub. Brett Bielema, that man, he knows how to win in the Big Ten. And not, not just Big Ten West. He knows how to win in the Big Ten. Watch out. Because as he builds a reputation and as he builds his culture at that program, do I think that they can be a top, you know, a top five team? Probably not. Can they be a top five program in the Big Ten? Yeah. With Brett Bielema. Even with USC and UCLA coming in. Like, Illinois, I I don't think it, Illinois is actually that close to Chicago, but it's I, if you can get big t- big name players to go to Michigan and Ohio State, that obviously their programs are, are higher profile, but it's not like Illinois is that far from Ohio, which is a talent rich state. It's not super super far from Pennsylvania. They. If they invest in that program and they continue to invest in the coaching staff there, just watch out for Illinois. It was a great hire. He knows how to build an infrastructure. He has great relationships with high school coaches. And he is building a tough team with a really good running back and some really good receivers. I, I, I really like to see what, what Illinois is going to do moving forward. That's going to be it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Uh, a few things coming down the pike. I'll get the week seven picks coming up uh, probably Thursday. Sometime in the next couple weeks, I'll also want to get a midseason review uh, like we did last year. The other thing we'll do is I will – I want to record a, some quick thoughts. I, I've had second thoughts about the firing of Paul Christ. And it was something that that Joel Klatt actually said that I want to touch on. But be be on the lookout for a bonus pod later this week. 
uh, either later this week or maybe early next week. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna share some more thoughts about Paul Christ and why I think it actually makes it might actually make sense. So that's it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. This has been Zach Guggenheim. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Send me an email at Talk at gmail.com. Leave a review. Share the podcast, please. I'm begging you. Well, I'm not begging, but please do it. Um, and get our name out there. Just, uh, signing off. Have a good day. God bless.